Good morning, everyone. I trust everyone is doing well in your shelter in place, in your homes. You're tuning in by smartphone, tablet, laptop, and desktop computer from all the various different cities represented in our church. And we're glad that we have the opportunity to use technology to present the Word of God this morning. And though there's no one here at the church but our backup staff, Ed and, and Sean and myself, uh, we're thankful that we know you're out there and you're listening and you're going to hear the Word of God and we will continue to preach the Word of God until this pandemic is over and we can all gather together again. The President was hoping that we could gather together by Easter. I think it's too optimistic myself, but if that was the case, we'd all rejoice. But we just have to take it one day at a time and be thankful for the life God has given us. And he's given us homes to live in and to shelter in place in and to be protected. And we're very thankful for that. We want to offer up continued prayer for our dear brother, Bill Murray. Uh, as he recovers from his surgery, he's doing very well. And so continue to pray for Bill that the Lord will strengthen him. I told him, Bill, this is the best time for you to be home recovering when we don't have meetings. And so he's very looking forward to being back with us when we all gather together again. Also, we need to pray for Paul Sarubi, who's going to have his surgery, open heart surgery on Tuesday. Uh, we'll have more one calls to do with that as we know what time that will be at John Muir Hospital in Concord. So do pray for Paul. He needs our prayers. Uh, his fever has come down and things are under better control. So they will be able to have the surgery. So let's pray that that will continue and that God will bless. And as we know, we won't be having any meetings uh, this week at all. Uh, not today, of course, not on Monday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or any meetings at all until further notice. And we just trust that this pandemic will end soon and that God will intervene and interfere in this situation and bring us through it. And we'll look back and we'll be so thankful and how God protected us. Before we begin our message this morning, let's look to the Lord, shall we, in a word of prayer and ask for the Lord's help. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning that we have through technology the opportunity to speak forth the word here and have it go out uh, all over this area and all over the United States and all over the world, for that matter. Anyone who signs on to our website, onto live meeting that has a sign in, can hear it live or they can go in later and listen to it. And Lord, we thank you for the blessedness of technology. And we thank you that there are many other churches doing the same thing as we are today, that the word of God is going out and may it go out in power and of the Holy Spirit. And may it touch lives. May it encourage us. May it challenge us. May it uplift us in our daily lives. Lord, it's hard being sheltered in place in our homes. We know it's difficult going through these shortages of products and the stores. And not being able to go out with our friends and family and be with them. Lord, but we know that you'll, you'll end this, Lord. And we just want to thank you for carrying us through. We can say with Samuel, thus far the Lord has helped us. And you have helped us in every way. And we pray your continued help through this time. 
and every day of our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you will hide me behind the cross and speak through your word today in power and of the Holy Spirit, that you'll have a message for each one, saved and unsaved, whoever may be hearing this message today. Only you know what's in our hearts, Lord. And so we just pray that you'll direct us now and guide us. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The great Danish philosopher and theologian Kiersgaard tells the parable of a theater where a variety show is proceeding. Each show is more fantastic than the last and is applauded by the audience. Suddenly, the manager comes forward. He apologizes for the interruption, but the theater is on fire and he begs his patrons to leave in an orderly fashion. The audience thinks this is the most amusing turn of the evening and cheers thunderously. The manager again implores them to leave the burning building and he again is applauded applauded vigorously. At last he can do no more. The fire raced through the whole building and the fun-loving audience with it. And so concluded Kiergaard, will our age, I sometimes think, go down in fiery destruction to the applause of a crowded house of cheering spectators. This is what happened in the book of Genesis when Lot was brought to the point where he and his family were going to leave Sodom and go Uh, out to freedom and safety before the impending judgment of God came down in fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot asked, told his sons-in-law, we've got to leave, we've got to get out, God's judgment is coming down from heaven and we need to flee. And they thought he was joking. You know, it's amazing how many people today, and I think more and more people, have an interest in the end times, in what's going to happen. Some people think we're at the end of the world, that the apocalypse has come. But we from the Bible know what the Scripture teaches and what the signs of the Lord's coming are at the end of the age. The title of our message is today, The Signs of the Times. The Signs of the Times... We're seeing before our eyes signs that indicate that the Lord's coming is very near. It's not just near, but it's very near. The clock is ticking. It's like you're in a football game and it's the two-minute warning. And they always say the two-minute warning goes out to both benches. Everyone is aware there's two minutes left in the game. In basketball, they announce it to the crowd. They don't stop the game, but they announce it when there's two minutes left. In football, they stop the game at two minutes or as close to it as possible. Two minutes left. We don't know how much time is left, but we know the time is short. And we know that the Lord is coming soon. And in His Word, He gives us signs of His coming. Signs that will increase in intensity and frequency. And today, we look at the coronavirus around us and we see it as one of the signs that the Lord is coming soon. And therefore, we shouldn't be troubled or afraid by it, but we should rejoice that the Lord is coming very soon. 
I was at Costco a couple of weeks ago and I was going through the line and there was no toilet paper at Costco and I was remarking out loud. I said, well, it's because of this coronavirus, I guess, that the, all the toilet paper is out. And I heard one of the checkers say, it's not that. It's the apocalypse. So it's been on everyone's mind. They had a movie a number of years ago called Contagion. And just in the last day or so, they've had some of the actors and actresses from that movie that have mentioned about it. And it was a very similar thing where there was a contagious plague that plagued so many people here on earth. And it's amazing. The actors and the actresses now in real life are saying, take heed to the warnings. Self-contain yourself. Uh, Be careful. Wash your hands. Follow the procedures of the health officials. And we need to, to do all those things. It's so true. But it's amazing in this world today, so few people are mentioning anything spiritual about the Lord's coming. They're just focusing on this crisis that we're going through in this world today. May the Lord encourage us because what we're going through now is a wake-up call. A wake-up call from God to the whole world, to the United States of America, to all of us as believers in the church. God has sent us this as a wake-up call spiritually. He wants us to be aware that His Son is coming from heaven and the time is short. And anyone that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior needs to get saved now. Not just today, but now. And I trust that if you don't know the Lord as your Savior and you're hearing this message today, don't even wait till the message is over. Get saved now. Ask Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior now so you'll be prepared for when He comes, you'll go to be with Him. The question has been asked before. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And if you were to die today and stand before God and He were to say to you, why should I let you in to my heaven? What would you say? I've lived a good life. I've been a good person. I've helped people. That won't get you in. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work that we can be prepared for heaven. The signs are everywhere. We need to be aware of them and we need to know that we're saved and born again. We're going to look at two things this morning in our message. The signs to look for and the steps to prepare for. And I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 14. Jesus speaking to his disciples here. It says, Jesus came out of the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to the point of the temple buildings, to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, 
privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things much take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. And in the New King James Version and King James Version it says pestilences. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And verse 14, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. May God bless the reading of his word. The signs of the times. When Jesus was here on earth, they always asked, show us a sign. Show us a sign that you're the Messiah. Show us a sign that you've come from God. Show us a sign that you have the power. Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 16 and verses 2 and 3, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather. For the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather. Because the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times. Our God shows us in his word what is going to happen in his future chronology, what the events are going to be in the future. And all these signs that Jesus talks about in this passage of Scripture that we have read, are going to precede the end. They're the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of birth pangs. When a woman gives birth, when she's pregnant, as she gets closer to the time, the birth pangs increase in intensity and in frequency, and then she gives birth. Well, the Lord's coming is like that. And we're seeing the frequency of these signs. We're seeing the frequency and intensity of them. And it's amazing because these things are going to happen in the end of times. And the study of the end of times is very interesting. And Sylvia has given many studies on the book of Revelation and on the the whole subject of the end times. And the theological term for the end times is eschatology, the study of the end times. And it includes the age we're in right now, which is the church age, the age of grace. The gospel is going forth out into the world by radio, by television, by personal witness, by missionaries, by the written word. It's going out. 
And souls are being saved. Even today, someone somewhere in the world has gotten saved. And more than one. Different languages are represented. Different cultures, different groups. People are preaching the gospel. The gospel is going forth in places like Africa and China. And souls are being saved all over the world. And we're thankful for that. We're in the age of grace right now. Right prior to the coming of the Lord. The next event on God's calendar is the rapture. Now, the word rapture is a snatching up or a taking away. It's not found in the Bible, the term rapture, but the concept is in many places in the New Testament. And the Lord is coming. He's coming to take His people home. And if you know Him, it brings great joy and comfort and encouragement to know the Lord is coming soon. He's going to take us out of this earthly scene. He's going to take us home to glory where we belong with Him forever and ever. And when we get there, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to be given rewards for those things that we have done for the Lord in His name and for His glory with a good motive like gold and silver and precious stones. And anything that we did with a bad motive, we will, it will be burned up, but we will be saved as through fire. And what a praiseworthy day that will be. And then right after the judgment seat of Christ in heaven, we will make the next stop at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will feast and enjoy all the blessings that the Lord has for us. It will be the greatest meal that you have ever had in your life will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Think of your favorite food. Think of your favorite beverages. Whatever it might be, will be provided for us by the Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then following the rapture down here on earth, the tribulation will hit. If we think it's bad now, the Scripture tells us that it will be an unprecedented tribulation. The judgments that God puts on this earth will be so cataclysmic, it will make this coronavirus seem so much like a little tiny drop compared to a huge ocean. The tribulation will have such judgments that God will bring down. The trumpets, the bowls, the judgments of God that will be poured out on this earth will be tremendous. You know, we think this coronavirus is really bad. And it is. It's, it's, so many people have died all over the world. So many people have contracted the coronavirus and become sick. And there have been many deaths. But I was hearing so much about the Spanish flu and comparing that was the last pandemic that was so uh, terrible on the earth. And so I said, I want to look up this Spanish flu and I want to see what it was really about. And, and I looked it up and it started in January of 1918, and this pandemic, the Spanish flu, lasted until December of of 1920. Over two years it went, or almost two full years. They didn't have the medicines and medications that we have to help out today. People were vulnerable. All of the people were vulnerable. And And the statistics are stunning what happened with the Spanish flu. 500 
million people in those days came down with the Spanish flu. 500 million. Staggering. And 50 million people died. It was huge. I'm sure in those days that they thought they were at the end of the world because so many people were sick and so many people were dying. But it ended. And then World War II ended and it went on and then World War I ended, I should say, and then World War II came, the World War to end all world wars, and it didn't. We still have wars. But these are the seven signs that Jesus gives uh, we're going to look at in just a moment here. But while the, after the tribulation, the Lord says He's going to come. He's going to come with His saints the second time when He comes to the earth. He's going to put down and destroy and defeat all His enemies. And He is going to win the battle of Armageddon. And then following that will be the great white throne well, we'll be following that with the millennium for 1,000 reign of year of Christ on the earth. Following that will be the great white throne judgment and then the eternal state. So that's the order of things in God's playbook and it's all going to happen just as he said. But he gives us seven signs to, to look for here in this passage. And number one, he says, many will come and claim to be Christ. They will say, I am Christ, but they will be deceivers. They will be antichrists. They will be those who try to deceive even God's elect. And it's amazing. We see it today. There are so many cults, so many false cults. They, they profess to know, to, to associate with Christ and with the truth. They have a little bit of truth and they mix it in with all this error. And it's the saddest thing. I'd walk and bark. And I would see the cults there. They come to your door, they knock on your door, and they preach their false religion. And it's the saddest thing. We have to be careful of it. Even through this crisis that we're going through with the pandemic, the coronavirus, people are, are out there taking advantage of others. They're scammers. They're, they're deceivers. They're preying on the elderly. They're preying on the innocent and the gullible and the vulnerable. And we're seeing it today. And this is one of the signs before the Lord's coming that there will be much in the way of deception. We have to be aware of it. We have to know what the Bible says and we have to be aware of all the deception that Satan puts out there. That's the first sign. The second sign is that there will be rumors, wars and rumors of wars. Ever since the beginning of time, there have been wars. There are still wars being fought today. Even with this global pandemic, wars are still being fought on the earth today. There always will be wars. But in the end times, there's going to be an increasing frequency of them. And certainly there are. And we see wars and rumors of wars fought all over the world. And in our day, we see that nation, the third sign, the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Rogue nations like North Korea and Iran, Russia and China, even the terrorist groups in the world today, they all have one common uh, goal. They have one common thing in common together. Their hatred and desire to destroy Israel. And their hatred 
against the United States as well. And these things are heating up. And you notice almost every other conflict has been solved in the world, but you'll never solve the conflict between the Arabs and the Jews, ever. Never. Not until the Lord comes and establishes his kingdom. In the tribulation, Satan will come as the, and he'll come in the form of the Antichrist. He'll, he'll have that power to bring people together. They'll seem like, oh, the, the Antichrist has settled this problem and he solved it. But three and a half years into the tribulation, he's going to turn against Israel and he's going to show his true colors. And it is a conflict. And they're going to fight that battle of Armageddon that I mentioned with all the armies from the north and from the east. And and they're going to come together against Jerusalem and try to fight against it. And the Lord is going to come and destroy them all. But in our times today, we see the conglomeration in the Middle East and we see it happening so very quickly and fast. The fourth sign is there's going to be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Even yesterday, I heard that there was an earthquake. There's natural disasters. They're happening all over. Our California, state of California, was hit by fires and devastating wildfires. We've experienced floods, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, We've experienced tsunamis. We've experienced so many of these, what we call natural disasters. These are wake-up calls, folks. We need to wake up and see the signs. They're everywhere around us. We shouldn't put blinders on and not be aware of them. We need to be aware that we're in the end of times and we need to be prepared for the Lord's coming. It's a wake-up call. The fifth sign... Believers in Christ will be hated, persecuted, and killed. Persecution is rampant today, especially in places like Africa, places like China, places in Russia, different places of the world. There's, there's persecution. Believers are being killed. Fathers are snatched away. Mothers are snatched away. Children are snatched away. They're put to death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And even though here in our country, we don't have persecution like that in the physical form. But there is persecution in the sense that Christians are hated. Christians are put down. Christians are ridiculed, laughed at, mocked, scorned, disowned. It's happening everywhere. Jesus said, don't be surprised by it, that these things are happening. John chapter 15 and verses 18 and 19 says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love its own. Yet because you were not of the world, but I have chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, we're told in the Bible that we should not love the world nor the things of the world. But we're also told that not only should we not love the world, but the world is not going to love us. And we shouldn't even try to love this world. This world is against Christ. It's the world that put him to death. And the world that hated Christ is the world that hates us as well. 
The sixth sign is many false prophets will rise to deceive many. They sound so good. So many of these false prophets are eloquent, educated, and excellent in their way of presenting themselves. And yet they're false prophets. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that if, unless a prophet is perfect in all the prophecies, every single one of them, if they're not, they're a false prophet. You can't have one prophecy fail and be a true prophet of God. And so when these people prophesy, you can tell by what they say. If it comes true, they're a true prophet. If it doesn't, they're not. And there are many false prophets in this world. And then the seventh and final sign is the love of many will grow cold. We're seeing it. Children killing their parents. Parents killing their children. We see the natural affection of people just completely gone. It says the love of many, not just a few, not just some, but the love of many will grow cold. This is a generation that has, has grown cold. Cold toward God. Cold toward each other. It's a sad world in which we are living. There are actually young people that they went down on spring break down to Florida and they went to the beaches and they didn't observe the, the, uh, the orders, the health orders they, of, of, of being at least six feet from, from others. They, they didn't. They didn't take it seriously. They, they, the same thing happened in San Francisco. They went out to parks and they, they socialized and they didn't, they didn't honor what was supposed to be done. And it causes great concern for our officials because this virus can spread so quickly. People don't have a concern for other people. Well, it hasn't happened to me. I'm not sick. I feel fine. I want to go out and be with my friends. I want to do this. I want to do that. But we have to be concerned with the other person as well. The love of many will grow cold. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 5, in verse 2 Peter 3, 5, it tells us a list of things that will happen in this generation. And it's coming to pass right before our eyes. It says, but for this they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water. I'm going to, to just read it because I may have given Ed the wrong reference here. But it says, but this know that in the last days, the perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving. Boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. May the Lord wake us up to see what is happening in these last days in which we're living. We need to read the signs and we need to heed the signs. 
We need to prepare ourselves that we are in the last days and that the Lord is coming soon. So that's our first point today. The signs to look for. The signs to look for. Secondly, the steps to prepare for. Jesus gives us three things that we should do in these last days to prepare our hearts for his coming. Right here in this passage in Matthew chapter 24. He gave us the warning signs. Now he tells us what to do as believers. And the first thing he tells us is take heed that no one deceive you. Yes, that was the verse. Second Timothy 3, 1 to 5. Thank you, Ed. Take heed that no one deceives you. You know, there's a beautiful portion in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 1 to 3 that tells us how we need to be on guard. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Now, the Antichrist himself, because he's going to rise up right in the tribulation, he's pro- he could be alive today in this world and most likely is. We don't know who he is. He's going to be European. He's going to be Jewish. And we know all those characteristics that he's going to have. He's going to be evil. He's going to have the spirit of the devil in him. But we know that these things are the beginning of sorrows, what we're seeing around us today. And we need to be prepared. You know, years ago when people almost got all their news and everything from the newspapers, which it's not true so much anymore. Not too many people take the paper anymore, but... They used to say, don't believe everything you read in the newspaper. Well, we can say the same thing on the Internet. Don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Check it out. Check the source. Make sure it's true. There are a lot of wrong things on the Internet, a lot of fake news, and it's out there. And so we need to be aware. We need to take heed. When Jesus said, take heed, that's a warning. Take heed that no one deceives you. We need to know what the Bible says, what it teaches. We need to be able to answer people's questions. And we need to stand on the truth of God's word. The second thing that Jesus said, and it's very important, he says, see that you are not troubled. Twice Jesus uses in the upper room discourse in John chapter 14, the expression, let not your heart be troubled. And I think of all the expressions and all the words that have been said on TV and on the internet and radio and everything. But these words are more comforting and more encouraging than all the other words put together when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. That is our hope. That is our blessed hope. That is what we're looking forward to is to be with Jesus and his words to our hearts this morning to encourage us and this afternoon is let not your heart be troubled. Sean Hannity on Fox News, he always concludes his his program with let not your heart be troubled. It's beautiful. So true. And it's so encouraging to us as as children of God to let not our hearts be troubled. We're living in troubled times where people's hearts are troubled. They're discouraged. They're down. They're confused. They're uncertain. They're scared. It's a sad situation. Also, Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. These words are so encouraging. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus knew that he was going to the cross and they were going to see him die and be crucified for them. And they were going to be afraid and they were going to be troubled and they were going to be sorrowful. But he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Two weeks ago, we studied the subject of peace and how important it is, a peace that passes understanding to go through all these things we go through, that perfect peace, that peace that is the peace of God. And then last week, we talked about patience and how patience is needed with each other, especially as we're sheltered in place and we're with each other all the time. We need patience. We need His peace. We need His patience because we're going through very hard times with this coronavirus that spread to the whole world. But I came across a portion from Psalms 91 that was so encouraging to me. And I was telling Adel about it. And during the war in Lebanon, Adel said he read this portion every day. And it was so encouraging, Psalm 91. And it's encouraging to our hearts as well. And this is what it says, Psalm 91, verses 3 through 6. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. We're going through a perilous pestilence. God will deliver us from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. Praise God, we have a refuge in Jesus Christ that is better and greater than any other refuge you could find in this world. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. This pestilence that we're going through is a pestilence that walks in darkness. You can't see it. You don't even know sometimes you have it. You may have some mild symptoms and not even be aware that you have it. Other people are affected in a greater way and some people have to be hospitalized, put on ventilators and respirators and 
And many of them have been dying. But we're thankful that when God gives us His assurance and promise that it's going to happen, but it's not that the Lord is going to protect us from this pestilence, from this destruction that walks in the darkness. I also love that verse, and it's so true of our nation. It's so true of this time in which we're living right now. Second Chronicles seven thirteen to 14 says, When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is God's wake-up call and we need to take heed to it. We need to humble ourselves. We need to confess our sins. We need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to seek God in this crisis. We need to ask for His intervention and help. We need to call upon everyone as believers here in the United States and throughout the world as well to pray and collectively join together our hearts in prayer and seek God's help, seek God's favor. Yes, he mentions here that the third thing that we need to do is to endure to the end and then we shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world, in all the world, as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. No matter what happens, the Word of God is going forth. Many churches like us today have the same kind of things going. I got a thing on my phone this morning as I was looking at it, and it was Fox News was covering uh, a mass in New York at St. Patrick's Cathedral was being broadcast. Uh, television preachers are on pe- preaching the Word. Uh, that still goes on. And then we also have as we said, churches broadcasting their messages like this that it's going out. Tim Tebow, the great college quarterback from Florida and NFL quarterback, once, and he's now a professional baseball player, as a matter of fact. He once said, I don't know what my future holds. And he's a born-again Christian. He says, I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know what my future holds. And he means his personal future. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week or in two weeks or a month or when we'll be able to come back to church or go out and and social gatherings and go back to work and go back to school. We don't know. It's in God's hands. But we know the one who holds our future. George Mueller once said, when the day of recompense comes, our only regret will be what we have done too little for him, not that we have done too much. That's going to be the regret when we get into the presence of the Lord and we're there. We're going to regret not that we did too much for the Lord, but we're going to regret we did too little. I didn't pray enough. I didn't read my Bible enough. I didn't witness to enough people and testify to them. We're going to regret the lack in our, in our lives. We'll be saved. We'll be home in heaven. But we're going to regret. And 
Before we conclude the message, I wanted to tell a, a brief story about an airline pilot who was flying from Portland, Maine to Boston, Massachusetts. The pilot heard a noise in the back of the aircraft and he went back to check it out because he heard this noise. And so he, as he was getting close to the back of the plane, they hit an air pocket and he was thrown against the back door and the back door was open and he flew out of the plane. He, he literally fell out of the aircraft and the red light went off and the co-pilot who was in charge at that time realized that the door was open and the pilot had been, had been uh, released from, had fallen out of the plane. So he radioed the tower to get a helicopter and look for the pilot and that they needed to make an emergency landing. So after the plane landed, they found that the pilot, his name was Henry Dempsey, was holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Can you imagine that? Somehow he had caught the ladder and held on for 10 minutes as the plane flew 200 miles an hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. And then at landing, he avoided hitting his head against the runway. It took airport personnel several minutes to pry his fingers from the ladder. You know, in these times we're living, we're living in turbulent times. Turbulent times. We have to hold on to the Lord. Just like that pilot that held on for dear life to that ladder because his life depended on it. Our salvation depends only on our faith in Jesus Christ. And if we don't have Christ, we have nothing. But when we have him and we cling to him and hold on to him, he takes us through and he'll bring us through the crisis. So let's remember God gave seven signs, seven signs of what's going to happen in the future right before his coming. We're seeing it before our eyes. Wars, we're going to see people deceiving. We're going to see people having wars and rumors of wars. Nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. Famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Believers in Christ hated and persecuted and killed. And the love of many growing cold. The Lord gives the signs. Now it's up to us to respond to them. And the Lord Jesus tells us these three things. Beware that no one deceives you. See to it that you're not troubled and that you endure to the end. We need these things. We need these things. And before we close the message, I want to give a call to everyone who's listening to me, wherever you are. If you don't know the Lord, please get saved today. Please say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I have sinned against you. I have done wrong things. Please forgive me. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross that he took my sins and died for me. And all I have to do is receive him as my Savior. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Take over my life, Lord Jesus. Make me the person you want me to be. If you pray that prayer right where you are, on your smartphone, on your tablet, on your laptop, or on your desktop computer. You can get saved just like you were here in the church because God hears your prayers for the prayer of salvation and he will save you. I don't want to see anyone left behind. God doesn't want to see anyone left behind or lost. He wants everyone to be saved. 
Shall we just close in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we pray today, if there's anyone listening to this message who doesn't know the Lord, that they will accept you, Lord Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. And we pray that you will comfort your people, strengthen us through these times of crisis and difficulty. Help us to realize that your coming is nearer than we first believed. And help us not to be troubled, but to be encouraged that you're coming soon, Lord Jesus, and you're going to take us home. We ask this now and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.